Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're talking inferral and other forms of starter. What does the data show on response to those particular fertilizers? In our spotlight for today, we'll look at will the Super Bowl grass hold up for the big game this year? Egg History Minute, we'll talk sod farms. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schaumberg. Hey guys. Todd Schaumberg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. You guys going to watch the big game this year? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the super exciting rematch of uh, like a few years ago. Is it a rematch? It is. Oh, who won that game? Chiefs. Chiefs, yeah. yeah. They were down, and they had they scored, I think, two unanswered touchdowns to win the game. No, it should be. The commercial's always good. The okay. halftime can be kind of hit or miss, obviously. But it's usually, it seems like you're always expecting more. But it's wild to me that these these musicians do it for free, basically. For the publicity, but they have to pay to even like put on their show is why. <laughs> like, how the heck, like NFL has a sponsor for it and they don't even get any of that money. So yes, quite a quite a thing going on. And just what all everything costs is wild. But it's it's yeah. live. T- you know, there's not much on live TV anymore. Everybody streams everything, and this is you know, sporting events are one of the last kind of live TV big events. Did you? They sang on the radio yesterday, I think the cheapest ticket to the Super Bowl was somewhere in the neighborhood of like seven or eight grand. Yeah. Like the cheapest right. ticket. Right. Like, this is just to get in the door. Yeah. I can go sit in the nosebleeds <laughs> and watch the game for seven or eight grand. Yeah, they said the stadium is actually quite small compared to North. Like, so that's well, part of the reason could, yeah. being in Vegas. It's, oh, it's like it's a hotter it's, ticket because there's less of them. Right, right. So even that, and like, think of how many, like, corporate things and just different tickets that are just kind of gone, sucked up right, for that right. event part of it too. That it'd be hard if you're a fan of the actual team, like, to spend that, and then your team loses. <laughs> that'd be a very expensive trip. Well, just think of, and you got to know that the hotels, the plane tickets, yes, the restaurants, like everything just just jacked they said especially in like vegas is you're already gonna drop money going there right and even that they said it's all yeah you just be ready to to spend money to, to go watch your favorite team yeah it's gonna end up be like if you got the cheapest ticket the cheapest hotel and it like everything, you're probably like you could take your whole family to Disney for what you're going to pay for a three hour <laughs> which, game, which is, which is also very expensive. Which is yeah, which yeah. is already like I'm, I'm not saying that because Disney's cheap. I'm saying like you're going <laughs> right. to spend a shit ton of money going to Disney or a buttload of money going to Disney, right. or you yes. could go to a three hour game in yeah. Las Vegas. Yes, yeah, yeah. It should be good. Always a fun. Uh, Actually, just. Just quickly, Google Delta. Fly out Friday, come home Monday is only eight hundred bucks. Yeah, the the 
The flights are probably the cheapest part of the yeah, right. That's the cheapest part. For some reason, I remember like, like when the Packers played the Raiders. Like, if you wanted a ticket, oh, out. yep. You're saying that in Las Vegas, that yeah, that like that. Was, they were re- ridiculous. Look it up from Kansas City to Las Vegas, or from San Francisco to Vegas. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that might be the kicker. Yeah, I guess I expected like triple, what, triple that. Even flying out Saturday and coming on Monday is cheaper. I mean, we we're supposed to get pretty nice, or we're getting pretty nice weather here. Well, like, what's the weather for the Super Bowl supposed to be? It's going to be like seventy-five degrees in Vegas. For well, it's the, been raining there for right. Has it been raining there too? Well, like California, California is getting nailed. Yeah, I don't know if the rain makes it through the mountains to Vegas, being in a desert. One of the local guys here said it won't make it to us because the mountains will will disperse it. So all that rain's not going to make it to the Midwest. I mean, that is part of the reason they hold the Super Bowl in warmer climates. Is well, because of the Bears, the, the Bears, Colts won right in my was that Miami that year? The Peyton Manning Colts, I think, when they beat the Bears, I think that was game was raining the whole time. This has. Full sun in 53 for Vegas. But that's a Super Bowl too, Sunday. Right? Yeah, it's indoors. So, I mean, but it's. One day it's ago, not gonna be too Las Vegas area faces rain threats, avalanche dangers as <laughs> Super Bowl crowds arrive. So, I don't know. Like, avalanche danger in Vegas? Like, it can't be a snow avalanche. There's no avalanches happening on the strip. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. There's avalanches of other things happening on the strip, but not. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. But only only 53 degrees in Vegas that day, huh? It's going to be darn near 53, like, here in this area. Yeah, so it's been just a wild, like, winter for how mild it is, how much farmers are able to get, like, outside work done and, like, fence lines cleaned up. and yeah. It's almost been this weird, it like feels like Easter time. Well, it gets outside. cold enough at night that, yeah, you can get across R- stuff right. in the morning. And right. Then... And by noon, it's kind of warm enough-ish. Or, and if it's been really foggy, that's been kind of tricky to deal with. But. Yeah, at least that's kind of tapered down a little bit the last couple of days. It hasn't been quite as bad. All the snow's gone now. <laughs> right. But that was foggy. foggy the crazy part is how fast, like, I don't know, Sunday night, I was out and about and like within 10 minutes... It just changed. Like just the, froze? Yeah, like the fog rolled in, and it was like, whoa, where did this come from? And it's crazy how fast that happened that day. And some of those nights have been bad, like where you you it just out of nowhere, like you say. And well, not only is it foggy, though, but then it's turning to ice, and so you have icy roads and fog, so you can't see anything, and if you need to step on the brakes, you're probably not going to stop as quickly as you should. Because so. the morning, it's been weird seeing... All the like plants and stuff covered in the f- frost in the morning because of the fog. I just feel like we're going to pay for this yet. I, do you think we're going to pay in March, April, or May? That's the part <laughs> I'm like. I hope March. all of the I, right, all of the above. <laughs> yes, all of them. That's the part. I, if if we pay for it, like you say in March, that's great. April, okay, but oh man, if it's like. Wet in May and just that could be brutal. 
And all the wives' tale, wives' tales are not pointing too good because there's someone about like so many days in a row with fog. Then in ninety days you get like a week, Snow. two weeks of rain, okay. or like really a lot of rain, and that bodes right for me. Six days with fog. Yeah, no, planting I, in the slug. Yeah, is that, is I that think we old, should just come up with our just own. Break our own stuff up. Because so we'll see. It's Wisconsin. Just wait till tomorrow. Weather will be different. Yeah. There's not even tomorrow. It's waiting hour. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yep. So, in furrow or two by two out, out of furrow fertilizers. So, you get, uh, you can call it in furrow pop up. And then you've got two by two or two by two by two or. Two by two on both sides. Uh, you know, there's remember lots the days of just like the dry starter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would just throw bags. Oh, that was yep. so good. Yeah, of just dry. Star- like, are you doing nine twenty three thirty? Yep, hundred pounds. Do you have furrow force, furrow jet. Yeah, no, like seal reveal. <laughs> it it's yes auto, auto depth. It's you know bandits. Are you doing what? Yeah, banded. You, yes, it's banded. Yeah, are you <laughs> dribbling on the road? It, it's been wild of the inforo verse verse whatever game and how we're doing it and i guess first off what do you guys call it are you calling it pop-up or are you calling it inforo or both i think it's both i i feel like pop-up gets said more often slightly but i i, I would agree i feel like inforo is making some sort of like and i don't know who making a comeback yeah i mean it was even trying to find like who used which and when sure. but i think it seemed like more extension or university calls it inferro, and farmers call it pop up. Yeah, uh, big academia. Yeah, trying to bring inferro no, back. I don't want like, yeah. So, so like, I'm not quite sure which is which. Well, and from what well, I can tell, they're exactly the same. Like, there's not a spot where it's some sort of brand name yeah. uses this or. I kind of feel like inferro is like Matt, like you said, like a. Like the more technical term, right? It's literally where it is. Pop ups, yes. kind of like slang. Like pop ups, what you want it to do? Yeah, like it's <laughs> gonna make the corn. Pop yeah. Up. What will be in like one of the studies basically showed that it doesn't necessarily make it pop up. So I don't know if that's why Extension and University stopped using that term is because a lot of their research showed like it didn't necessarily make it pop out quicker. It was not. That was not the case with some of the research. So kind of an odd thing there. So is it bad that when I think of pop up I think of like the little thing in your turkey when you cook it? And that's like how <laughs> you're supposed to know when it's done is it pops out. I think of Jack in a box. Like doo, 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 doo. Yeah, some people are scared of Jack in the boxes <laughs> though. Like if your corn just like whoop, popped out and might give somebody a heart attack. Anyway. So and the next thing is why and when, you know, we kind of went from dry starter to liquid two by two on one side of the row. And then I would say where it really started looking back, where we really started seeing this inferro idea was kind of to to lighten up the planters, make it, you know, less gallons you're hauling. And then with the kind of the push for plant growth regulators like Ascend, excuse me, we're starting to kind of flood the market. And Ascend was like be, the trailblazer yes. in that realm, right? Like they really. I mean, I remember them. That if I remember right, they were like paying guys to put the totally yeah. tubular 
on their planner. You know, like it was part of the deal of not. It was not. I don't think they were necessarily paying the guys, but you maybe got a rebate on your your setup for that. And the other part with Inferno is they're really cheap to put on planners compared to everything else right. because you're basically just putting a tube in somewhere. You know, whether it's and most of them have something to a seed firm, anyway. right? Right. That's what the Ninja Turtles used to say, right? Totally tubular. Tubular, dude. <laughs> yes. Yes, they did. So would you agree with that, Bill, though? Is that's when you started That's when here? it started to ramp up. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, And I think as some of these planters aged out and guys got new planters, it's like the questions became, you know, this is going way back, right? Like, should I keep, should I get dry? Should I go liquid? And it's like, you know, just that whole, like, shift to go liquid to speed things up, you know. Just ease of hauling yeah, all like, that. Pr- I mean, it's one thing tendering seed and stuff, but when you had to tender fertilizer, dry fertilizer as well, I mean, you're still tendering liquid at some, but it's it's a way different process than yeah, dry. Yeah, and you're going, you know, very light rates compared to, you know, some of those right. guys were doing three, 400 pounds of starter an acre. Right. right? So... Yeah, and you you don't want to put you're not going to put twenty gallons in furrow. <clears throat> so not in furrow. No. So if you're doing in furrow, at least it's a smaller amount of right. particular stuff you're dealing with. Did you do you guys miss dry starter? I what I liked always about it, right, is you actually got some nutrients, right? You I, know, like compared to now, or right, you don't even count the potash you get in the correct get in there because there ain't nothing. I, that's the biggest frustration I had is when guys made the switch. They're like, "Why did my soil test go down?" Well, because you're not applying. Right. Well, no, I'm still doing starter. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, way different. It's yeah. way different. And there's so many rules and things that could happen with liquid, right? Like the temperature and yes. when you get it on farm, yeah. is it mixed enough? And what are you adding to it? And all of a sudden, you got just a bunch of crap. You know, and a couple of years ago, we were running into some screens and some of the yeah. planters where they were plugging up and farmers were getting like 30 feet and then it would plug again. And like efficiencies were going down just because of all the crap that happens when you talk about different fertilizer blends, where it came from, the quality of it, and then throw in temperature. Yep. You know, so like dry, it's like... And, and in the spring, you're going to have cooler right. like, temperatures. It's like, it's like dry as long as you cleaned out your planter good from the previous year that it didn't all build up with fertilizer. Right. Fertilizer it did, it did, or did eat, eat the eat crap, it, out, right. of crap like out of the boxes. Yeah. That was one downside. Shot, yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah. So yeah. those, if you if you did the maintenance, just you just had to worry about the hose plugging maybe with a rock or just whatever, some mud or something. You, Otherwise, it went pretty good. Do you guys work with any farmers that still do dry? Yes. Do you? Sweet. Because, like, my last... For his whole 15 acres. Yeah, okay. Which, which I, I mean... Have, I have two guys. Do you? Yeah, good. One, I, run, one runs a 40 and one is, has 80 acres. Yeah. So it's... It's it's a scale thing, too. I mean, we, we get that. I, I think as agronomists, we would probably choose dry over liquid but as a farmer and when you're doing it and you know right. some of these other ideas there's obviously still, trade-offs yes yeah, correct. yeah but what i do think is what we're seeing a with what where strip till is going where strip till now is a way to put on fertilizer banded yeah. basically what your planner used right. to do yep. even guys are using old cyclo planners as strip till rigs to put you know like so it does I think we're actually making a comeback with that, and it's a good thing. So 
that's a different conversation. Um, so that's kind of why, you know, basically where, how we got to here. And I, I guess what changed now is I feel like now we've got these two application methods. We've got inferral and we got two by two and, and two by two by two. So we, but let, for this conversation, it's just going to be kind of an inferro and, and two by two. So we've got these two placements. Inferro and not. Well, yes, inferro and outferro. Yeah. So basically, we got to decide: do we want just one of them? Do we want both or none? You know, and what what is today's deep dive was to kind of say: what is the research show? Uh, what what do you know? How do we know when and why to do that? Um, I guess the first question too is what do we put in for O and what's better out for O and the first thing like in for O is the biggest thing to watch is just salt from the fertilizer. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the, that's it. I mean, you, and what is salt going to do? It's going to prevent that seed from imbibing water. So it'll almost make like a barrier that the seed, it's not that it actually kills the seed. It actually prevents the seed from getting water. It doesn't, so I thought that, doesn't like quote burn it. Right. Right. Like we always think, say I mean, I guess at certain rates I bet you it would burn it, but the rates we're talking about, it's not necessarily burning it, it's just not letting that seed imbibe water, thus not germinating. So basically we you gotta watch the the two biggest kind of fertilizers for this placement that seem to do better are phosphorus and zinc. And both need to be kind of a small amount that are seed safe. Um, you know, a rule of thumb that I seem to keep reading was in that we seem to use two is for 1034 O is don't exceed like three gallons. Probably, you know, you're chucking in a quart of zinc with that and probably a gallon of water or two gallons of water, maybe just to finish out your blend. But yeah, it, it just, then there's a lot more products now that are, are more seed safe are made for in furrow. Um, but if you really do the math on that, the, the units you're getting, it's 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 still a very light breakfast. It's just to get these things, and I think that's where the term well, pop up came from. It's just to get these things to sort of pop and get that early early breakfast on it. Well, like you mentioned before, you guys were like, "Oh, I'm still doing this fertilizer. Why isn't my soil test building?" Because you're literally putting just a little bit, just enough for the seed on the seed in the area where the seed is growing. You're not putting it elsewhere in the field you're just trying to get that little bit because we can't obviously for the salting reasons go high rates so yep so three gallons of 1034 is going to get you nine or ten units of FOSS it's something right you know and depending on your your soil um, soil test level you you may not need a lot you may just need that early little bit to pop and then the soil is going to feed you the rest of the year so I, th- I think that was the start of Inferro is to kind of change over to fertilizer and then and the plant growth regulators like we talked the, that was the big you know we're going to put in a, a send with some sort of um, little bit of Inferro fertilizer. Now what we're seeing as well is now there's all these other things coming in the I don't know if we want to call them piggybacking or they're kicking out some of this fertilizer to go to your your outferro placement your two by two placement but now we've got biologicals obviously huge you know huge push from biologicals uh we got insecticides uh sugars which kind of go hand in hand with your biologicals and then some fungicide now that is kind of coming into that too with with products like zyway so you know zyway is a two by two right i'm pretty sure 
what was odd is I think you can do infer. No, didn't they? They just had something where they were saying which one they wanted because of the germination issues. And I now that you say that, Bill, what's odd is that was from a video I was watching on extension from earlier in the spring of twenty three, and I think they've changed that since then. So that's a good thing too. Is like we've talked is you are playing with fire with any of these products with with infurl in that depending on the conditions it's hard to you know in any research to show every other condition that sometimes some things can get screwed up and you can affect germination so that to watch changes to labels watch different products but uh, for insecticide some guys if they don't think that they're you know BT corn is working quite well. We're chucking in like a capture LFR insecticide, something like that in the infural, kind of a nice way instead of having to have insecticide boxes like we used to. Um, so that works. I do think the infural placement is a very good new placement for biologicals. Um, to put a biological two by two, you're, you're not going to get the effect. So it's either kind of a seed treated biological or infural. Um, and then one push is well, to use more sugar. Yeah, go ahead. It, I think it does depend what your biological doing too. Oh, a hundred percent. Some biologicals, and there's so many different types. right, right. And some biologicals, they some are you know basically with your talc powder in the in the right with the seed. Some are seed treatments. Some they want sprayed on. So it does depend on on the biological. the The sugar push has been interesting because I think that's kind of when the soils are cold, early spring, it can increase biology. And there was some good research on that showing, you know, some pop. And at, at times there there was a lot of good research that showed, that, hey, this really did help. But there was times where maybe you did have good biology or your soils were warmer that that didn't kind of push as hard. So, Bill, were you able to find the Zyway? I, a quick Google search, it said Inferro, but there was copyright 2020. Yeah, I so. I think Bill's right now that we think back. We'll have to have... Um, <clears throat> Mr. Verbaten on to, to comment on, there you go. yeah, um, get some Billy V on and talk about what, because some of these products, they change in, in how they use them. So, um, and I remember that as well, Bill, that having the rep tell us that they'd prefer, you know, two by two now. So then what's better two by two? Um, nitrogen for one, you don't want really any, you know, you can't put 28%, 32 Amthio in the infrared, it's it's just going to salt out your seed. So nitrogen's been really good in the two by two placement, and then as well as potassium and boron are kind of better nutrients for that two by two placement. Todd, they do have a Zyway LFR. Yep. Okay. So they got a formulation that's like, <clears throat> yeah, and so yeah, just found this thing for it said ninety five percent of farmers that. Used it in 2021. Infuro saw good results, but farmers who applied Zyway Infuro, especially in cool, damp soil conditions, experienced germination issues. So that's why, yeah, I think they have the different formulation now for for that. What does LFR stand for? Yeah, capture LFR. Liquid fertilizer ready. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So. That your two by two is more your placement for your nitrogen, potassium, boron, and you kind of don't, you know, these these other products you can put two by two at times, but they're not as well suited for that. So, what's nice is you have that soil barrier there, then to help so you don't salt out your seed, it can germinate 
then grow to your two by two placement. So whereas these other ones, we, we'd rather it be near the seed or closer. So I think one of the hard part as I dwelled into the studies was a lot of it mattered what, what, what you were putting, when and where and why, and how were you using combinations of all these, one of these, which ones went where. So I, I think what I think farmers should do is go back to what, what product are you placing? And if it's phosphorus, then you want probably a small amount by the seed. You can put it two by two. It'll be okay there. It'll get there. But it's better in the in furrow. If you're doing nitrogen, obviously we've got to be two by two. And I think that's where a lot of this research is showing the value of that early season banded nitrogen near the seed. So the the one thing I would push to is, as I looked into studies, is, holy man, how many of the studies just were, like, showing pictures or especially videos on this were all, like, pictures at between V2 and V6 corn and how much better does this look at this stage in you you almost cannot even look at early season because it's going to look way better. But do we care that it looks way better? I mean, if it equates to yield, then we care. But not all the runs time. Out of gas. Right. At V8, what does it matter that it looked great at V6? Correct. So that was one thing that I, I just, I was shocked at how many was not looking at cobs of corn that, and, and obviously in a cob of corn, it's hard to see the difference. You're not going to see, whereas visually it is much more visually appealing at v4 corn to show the pop-up differences and or the starter differences so look at yield results and purdue has a really good um, more recent kind of publication they did a deep dive into a bunch of different trials and responses now purdue in indiana could be different than wisconsin or the state you're in but uh, just thought it was a really good source that their extension um, had kind of compiled and basically they found that in 24 of 25 trials there was a yield response to two by two fertilizer and it was kind of 23 to 50 pounds of n and it averaged seven bushels an acre um so so that was their you know quite a bit of response and you know seven bushels of yield that's that's a that's a good amount you know like uh, both in the amount of response and the amount of yield and basically then they looked at um, kind of some other stuff. So if you only did... Uh, um, it says Inferro out-yielded no starter right? in only one of 21 trials. That one shocked me. That was the one... that Okay, that's why we're talking and, about this today. And decreased yield in two trials. Was the, the Inferro amount that it works, that it doesn't always... Work and the the one out of twenty one was like oh, holy man how did it one out of twenty one is you know that's completely opposite of what we just said with the two by two when it's twenty four of twenty five right now what they were talking about here is this was just for nitrogen it was three to five pounds of nitrogen versus the you know the two by two higher response so that's the tricky part with all these studies when you when you then read more depth in them like. Well, no, they weren't testing this biological. They weren't. They weren't saying Inferno is good. They were saying specifically for nitrogen, you're better off with the two by two placement than the little bit. Even that little bit of N, you even get say with the ten thirty four O, doesn't really help you at all. It's not doing anything. It's not. It's. It's. That's not where the response is. So, you know, then we we get into the combination factor and. 
Basically, the infrared plus 2x2 was evaluated in 19 trials, but only out-yielded the standard 2x2 in one of those trials. So that's another point, too, is is basically, you know, this combination effect. Then if, if we got 2 by 2 do we want both or just one, or, or what is that showing? And that's what their, you know, their kind of research showed was was that. So I think that's one thing to look at. Um, the other research I could find was Louisiana, which is even further away, so this is hard. But they were looking at 10-30-30 and basically to see, you know, did did it help or not? And it was five out of 15 trials that it showed a slight increase by the use of that starter fertilizer. So, you know, basically you got a one-third chance of it helping. You got a two-thirds chance of it not doing anything. So one of the hard parts as you deep dive into the research is it is extremely inconclusive. I, I, I don't, you know, and I, that would make sense when we go to meetings. I don't ever think I've heard, you know, people say this. It's like forty percent of the time this works, works every, every time. time. Yeah, is what this feels like. So this infero two by two, all this debate makes sense. Why, as farmers, we have the debate because it is still a debate. It's up for debate. The research is is inconclusive. It's hard because now, as you delve in the research as well, there's so many different things we can shove into here. That, that as well as getting as tricky as is we're not doing a lot of elimination studies because they get expensive and difficult is to throw in, okay, I'm going to throw in all five of these things and then I'm going to, you know, you, you eliminate them and you see, okay, which of the five brought me more of my yield and it's just hard to do all that. Doesn't this lend, especially in our geography, we just, you know, five minutes, ten minutes ago got talking about the weather and how crazy it's been. Doesn't this lend to... Us being, let's face it, northern Wisconsin, right? We're we're north of Highway 10. So lend to the fact that farmers should be doing their own trials because a study in, in, in at Purdue University is probably not valid in not, yeah, not here. northern Wisconsin. The, and that's a good point, Bill, is I think we should be doing our own trials. And I don't think it's as hard as we think to do some of these trials in that a starter fertilizer, you can, you can flip on and off right. pretty easy. So the, it is hard to know the components inside of that fertilizer. You can't do a bunch changing those, but you can at least do some, turn it on, turn it off. Well, then throw the see factors when. of like soil type, manure, no manure, yeah. like all those other factors right. that we deal with in this state that other folks don't because it's corn, beans, commercial fertilizer. Like that's all they're dealing with where we're throwing in soil temperature. I mean, if... If you're in the north and sand, you might want to add some pop-up because, yep, it gets really warm during the day, but at night, that soil temperature tanks. So, and cover crops, you know, we, yep. how is that? Right. You know, that's another, like, probably something that needs to be researched is how do cover crops affect starter and uptake fertilizer and Let's that. be real that farmers, I think they accidentally, but half on purpose, turn it on and off all the time. Right. And they know what they're seeing. Yeah. And they know that the infertile parts, I think what, I, what the conclusive thing that I did see was two by two nitrogen is making a comeback, especially with this two by two by two placement that getting this 20 to 30 units of N at that timing is that's the future. That's what's coming. That's what people are seeing is a good way. Cause you got it banded. 
you're feeding you know that that plant at an early stage when it doesn't need a lot of units but it needs a good dose to kind of get you to to that knee high corn where you're going to put kernels around i think that's what we're seeing as a benefit in kernels around and then the inferno part it it sort of depends. It depends on what you're putting in. It depends on your conditions. I've That's seen the, the retail side of it pushing that this winter too. Is it, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I like the two by two. Like we need more more nitrogen in that two by two. I've, I've what, been in what, some farmer meetings and the retail has been sitting at the table too, and that's what they're pushing. And so let's be real of like, what were we pushing earlier was more like wide drop really late. And, and I think we're starting to realize like, yeah, you probably need some really late wide drop, but the more you can spread it out, that'll benefit the corn, you know, the more. So, and, and like I said, that the, the biggest study I could find was Purdue's and when they're getting 24 out of 25 trials with yield response, I mean, that's a, that's a good amount. What's interesting though, is when you look at the end of that article, they said it. The really the bigger takeaway is the moisture. So starter two by two fertilizer in corn does not consistently increase grain yield, but frequently reduces grain moisture at harvest. So it's not even so much the yield component as it is the it dries down faster. Great it? point, Matt. Because there was a lot of fairly conclusive research that showed us you you can, and I think basically what it was doing for part of the yield component was hey, maybe you can plant a 100-day corn instead of having to plant a 98-day. And so you're going to get a potential day-length benefit. Sure. Yep. And, uh, and a benefit. But anyway, it'll, it will sort of reduce maturity or in, speed up maturity. Speed up maturity, yeah. And with silage, they found that, and with grain. It probably wasn't as distinct in silage, but in grain, like Matt says, which is a good point. I mean... You reduce the moisture by a couple points at harvest, or you can be out there harvesting a little quicker. That's yeah, a that's a huge benefit. By yourself, yeah, an extra three four days to a week early, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And the the main response there was it was earlier silking, so you're going to silk earlier. Was was why you just got it up, silk a little quicker, and then from silking on, it didn't you know it didn't really change that timing. It was it was just a little quicker to silk. So, yeah, good point, Matt. Thank you. So, would you guys, if you were buying a planter today, so to, to end, would it be inferno only, two by two by two only, or both? And why, I guess? Hmm. Well, to me, it's like, if we're going to ask that question, it's it's both or two by two by two for me. Like... I'm, I don't think I'm going to go buy a planter with inferno because the flexibility then goes down with the products you can use, the gallons you can use. You know, like we just got done talking about having nitrogen there early season. Well, if we just go inferno, we've already eliminated that. It's gone, right? Like, but I'm torn because I like the zinc inferno. You know, sometimes guys are using those growth regulator products, you know, like the Ascend. So that's the flexibility there to have. And then to have a little bit of phosphorus right at the seed is nice. So it, I'm going two by two by two. If I can only pick one, that's what I'm doing. If I can pick two, I'm not going two by two. I'm going two by two by two and then inferno. So kind of I like to hedge fence, my fence sitting there. But yeah. I like to hedge my bets. I'd probably do, get both just so I could do my own trials. And it's... I'd rather have it there than have to try to figure out how to get it there later if I needed it. 
Uh, but cost would be obviously a factor too. And if it was a cost thing, like it was going to cost me it, less to do two by two by two. And that's the, the hard part is the right. The inferral part's pretty cheap. Right. Add on. So yeah. it's, I mean, you got to find separate tanks and plummet separate. So, so I think, I actually think this is one of the hardest choices farmers face because it's right. they're they're all right and they're all wrong. So that's what's hard about it. And the other part is we always think about it like as our. I asked you if you're buying a new planter, and that was specific to that because I I do have some farmers now that you know are already into a planter they really like, and maybe it's just got infurro or it's got no starter on it or whatever. And you have those conversations. Those are hard too because it is not cheap to retro some of that in. Right, but if we can see responses like the seven bushel a year, you know, you, you factor those numbers in and and do the math and see what's right for you. So, I mean, the other hard part is you're adding weight to the tractor, the planter as well. You're, you know, there's some other downsides that you got to watch. So, I do feel like though that easy, like it is hard to decide, Todd. But I do feel like of all the equipment that farmers deal with, like pimping their planter, I, yeah, is a the most fun funnest. Most fun thing they most do. Most fun. The most fun thing they do and the most thing they like are okay with doing. Right. right? Like they're gonna pimp the planter. Like that's what they're gonna do because they know how important it is and um if everything goes right, it works well. I've had some farmers say, Well, sometimes this is more than just you know, it's just a big paperweight sometimes because if this doesn't work or that doesn't work, it's useless. But at the same point I think I think like if they're gonna like put something the most money into something of some piece of equipment they're going to buy it's going to be the corn planter and i don't think these are crazy expensive add-ons compared to the price tag of that planter either so that's a good thing to to note too all right there you go some considerations for inferro and two by two or two by two by two fertilizer now we'll move into our spotlight for today So just in case you weren't aware, the Chiefs and 49ers will take the field this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. That's why the flights are so cheap. Well, yeah, because the airline is the sponsor of the stadium. Uh, They will compete on Supergrass. So what's different this year? It's supposed to be less slipping, potentially. Uh, (laughs) So our hoping grass won't be super slick like last year's turf that the Super Bowl was played on. Uh, so Taylor Swift hopefully won't break a leg when she goes out there, win or lose, to support Travis Kelsey. California import, the this year's MVG, or most valuable grass, I'm guessing is what that means, uh, is a Bermuda hybrid that traces its roots to a sod farm in California. At Allegiant, the... Super grass is rolled in a giant tray. It takes about 90 minutes from start to finish. It's the first Super Bowl held in Las Vegas, and it's expected to be viewed by more than 110 million people in over 190 countries and territories. So growing the grass was a process that took uh, 18 to 24 months in advance. They depend on... The grass is typically grown depending on where games are played in Alabama, Georgia, or California. And this year, like we mentioned, is from California. So, yeah, it'll be 
Super grass for a super game. Last year, there was a bunch of articles how that grass was going to be awesome and <laughs> how bad it, oh, it was. Terrible. Bad it was, yeah. Bad. And so this will be interesting. This will also be interesting. Is the, I wonder if the uh, the Vegas casino mafia bosses have anything to do with <laughs> making it, you know, like if they made it a little more slippery. How many bodies are buried underneath the side <laughs> yeah, this year? Make it a little more slippery so that, you know, they hit an over-under or something like that. Or it's, yeah, who knows what kind of. I'm sure you could with, bet, bet on how many uh, players are going to slip on the grass. Or, with, with with the game being in Vegas where all the betting's done, it's just interesting to think of uh, all the insider trading that might be going on. And Will it affect the national anthem? Probably not, but it's probably something you can bet on. So there's been three Super Bowls played on AstroTurf, like true AstroTurf, you know, with all the, like, issues like they were talking about MetLife Stadium this year and Bakhtiari was like complaining about the turf and ACLs. Imagine what in twenty twenty four playing an AstroTurf, like just the uproar that potentially would be yeah would be happening. It's that's kind of crazy. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would have something to say about it. <clears throat> All right. And no one would listen. No one would listen. Now we'll move into our ag history minute. Since the big game is being played on some big grass, we'll talk sod farms in this week's Ag History Minute. So sod is grown on specialty farms. In 2009, the United States Department of Agriculture reported 1,412 farms that had 368,188 acres of sod in production. It is usually grown locally within 100 miles of the target market to minimize both the cost of transport and the risk of damage to the product. The farms that produce this grass may have many varieties of grass grown in one location to best suit consumers' use and, excuse me, a preference of appearance. It is usually harvested 10 to 18 months after planting on the farm. If it undergoes fertilization, frequent mowing, watering, and subsequent vacuuming to remove the clippings, is harvested using specialized equipment, precision cut to standard sizes, and sod is typically harvested in small, square, or rectangular slabs or large, four-foot-wide rolls. So there's actually a sod farm not too far from where we sit today. Uh, there is one right on Highway 47, just north of Black Creek, outside of Nichols. And so I've actually seen some of the equipment in action when they harvest those sod rolls and stuff. So it's kind of neat to see how that works. And I've never seen them vacuuming, though. Yeah, no, the vacuuming part <laughs> I've never seen, but like the rolling and the cutting. and I always wonder if their topography keeps getting lower. Right. Like like the amount, right, you think you're taking, because you're taking a yeah, topsoil with the, with the, the sod. sod. But the sod's got to create a little itself. So, sure. yeah. yeah, the T value the, on that. They do They do rotate also. It's not like they grow a sod the same sod, field yeah. every every year. So I don't know how... How does Snap Plus look at a sod farm? <laughs> Can't meet T, I bet. Yeah, probably a bit difficult. So there you go. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. All you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts or on Android. Download an app like Podcast Attic. You can also listen on your computer and smartphone browser. Go to tilthag.com slash podcast. We're now available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and X at Tilth Talk Radio. 
All right. Now it's time for some cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Oh, Todd, you missed out, man. This week's cool beans. You ain't seen nothing yet. Could have had that song playing in the background. Yeah. I uh, thought you meant he had some cattle to study. Yeah. No, that's selling. Right. No, no. Economists say cattle prices will soar even higher this year. So there's no doubt the U.S. cattle inventory is continuing to shrink. The latest numbers from USDA out uh, this past week. The U.S. cattle inventory dropped 2% year over year with 87.2 million head of cattle and calves on U.S. farms as of January 1st, 2024. So... Not a, really a lot in the way of surprises in this report. It was pretty well anticipated, according to Daryl Peel, Extension Specialist for Livestock Marketing with Oklahoma State University. I think the take-it-home message here is pretty powerful that in this industry, uh, as it continues to get smaller, got smaller through 2023, coming into 2024, smaller cattle inventories pretty much across the board. And he points out that U.S. beef cow herd is the smallest since 1961. And the all cattle inventory, the lowest since 1951, setting the market up for more strength in cattle prices. So, yeah, potential upside on the, the cattle end because inventories are low, so be interesting to see what happens. When does he get to it? Pretty soon. You ain't seen nothing yet. Never the band, Matt? Don't sell Oof. your cows now. Wait That's, until it comes later. <laughs> That's a great, great question. I don't remember who sings Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Sorry. I'm going to fail. I'm going to get crap now because I can't remember who it this is. This is Bachman Turner Overdrive. Is that Ooh. the name of the... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Randy Bachman on vocals. There you go. It is not Kenny Loggins, Matt. No. No, it is absolutely <laughs> not Kenny Loggins. We are not in the danger zone, Todd. We just ain't seen nothing yet. All right, now we'll move into our That's Corny this week, which is not me forgetting who sang that song. This week we're looking at a real case of deja vu. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. (laughs) So no, deja vu is not something you eat. It's the feeling that you've seen this before and we've seen this before. So a court has vacated dicamba registrations as of uh, this week. So Tuesday, February 6th is when it happened. So if you were planning on spraying dicamba on your soybeans or your cotton, for those of you in the South, uh, might want to start reconsidering that decision because as of right now, that will not be available for 2024. Yeah, right now, 40 million, it's million, U.S. dicamba-tolerant soybean and cotton acres will be directly impacted. 
<sighs> so yeah. So hopefully you got list beans <laughs> that you could maybe switch to or it, what it depends on. If it's extend the flex, you could still do a liberty, liberty on them. Yep. So there, there's maybe some options, and obviously they're not planted yet. Whereas when this happened last time, right, they were already planted, and you were just getting ready to spray. So it's tricky. But yeah, the what will be affected is extend extendamax, ingenia, and tavium. Kind of basically those labels. Have been vacated, so yep. yeah, it all sounds really familiar. For right, sure. for sure, it was those same products last time. This court's out. It's a, r- a ruling by a U.S. District Court of Arizona in Tucson, which I thought was diff- you, you know last time was a California court. Yep. So that it's in Arizona's a little bit different. It looks all procedural, <laughs> like they didn't follow. Yeah, there was something for notice and and comment provisions. So it's really nothing. To do with the product itself, it's just more right. of a... They, they didn't follow the right process. Right. So, yeah, we'll see what happens the next few months before planting. But, yeah, for for right now, might want to start looking at plans B, C, D. Even preparation H might be on the table. <laughs> you, might have I, you might need some of that as well <laughs> with the, the procedure because, yeah, it's... Again, at least it didn't happen in season, but the frustrating part of vacating labels is is difficult. Like, yeah. how do we farm when tools get pulled out? And in this case, you probably already have your seed bought, and probably not the chemical bought. So, how do you, you know, what do you, right? How do you handle that? Find options, around right? That and, yeah, right. So, this is going to be headaches for retailers, and very much headaches for that, and frustrations for farmers, and yeah, just some more stuff to deal with. All right, and now we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. So this week, we've got Pete's Pick of the Week. Machinery Pete has the International Harvester 3588. You can uh, find a one-owner tractor with 5,791 hours that was sold for $20,750 during a January 30th Online farm retirement auction in Warren, Indiana. It's the eighth highest auction price ever on this model, and six of the eight highest prices happened in the past three years. So, Bill, if they say a thirty-five eighty-eight, do you even know what? I don't. Right. No, I actually had to look at the no, picture and then like and once, like I just, I didn't even know it had a number with it. I just thought it literally said two plus, plus two, two on the side. Yeah. yeah, like not to be confused with two by two, which we've no, been talking right. about this episode. No. It's no, a two this plus was two. a two plus two, plus two. No. The like first articulated tractor, kind of, and it was like the the this thing. I to me, I don't know of a more. To me, this tractor is like a cult classic, yeah. if you call it. I, I just I can't think of a dov- another tractor that people love it, hate it. I mean, it had well, an Oliver. Some people like really love. Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. I like that's more of the whole brand. I yeah, would agree. yeah. But like even this one, like did this thing kill the international brand? Because it was kind of right in that sure. time where they it kind of was really it wasn't the last tractor release before they went. You know, no, but after, went out of business. But, but after this one, it was like okay, now we case I case kind of right, right, it right. Went to no, the that case was the H, and then w- the Magnums kind of really took off. Right. No, there was yeah one more version released after this. But I mean, in, in 
the yeah. So two plus two. I've, there was people calling it the ant eater tractor because it had kind of yep. like an ant eater snout. snout. Yeah, yep. that's one you know one kind of thing. And again, people loved it, hated it, uh, all of the above. And it's it's just so odd too. Once you see the you know the sort of ten eighty six fourteen eighty six cab, right? You know jammed on this sort of this weird snout like you can't unsee the like weirdness of it but at the same time it's the the coolest track it's it was cool in a lot of ways but did you guys ever have to drive it no. two plus two? Ne- we never no. got i never got to drive so and and maybe the neighbor always had one and i was always quite jealous of <laughs> the neighbor it would be like oh look at that thing it's like the coolest thing ever but i've i've i think had I had to drive one, I would have hated it. Have you driven one? I've Matt? never driven one, but I have worked with one. There, it was on, Holiday Inn Express. It was on a bail or on a bagger. Okay, that I was. I think that unloading. Be a terrible bagger. Right, it was a terrible bagger because you you'd have to like adjust it and stuff. And How would it stay straight? Right, that was the, exactly the problem. Your like pa- this is your bag a, was like this curvy worm. Right, because you'd be unloading and you're like, oh, oh, it's you, drifting. Like jump out and try to like adjust the tractor, and then it. would You'd have to get back in and do it again because then it would start going the other way. Yeah, it was. I've, so yeah, I've never driven it down the road or through a field, but it just that experience with, with it was like. Neh. You just listen to why, like in general, people don't like them. Is it does nothing? It does everything okay and nothing well. Was right. basically what like the egg talk forum on it is great when they talk about it because it was just just trashing the thing for like you couldn't plow with it. Because, you know, it was terrible sure. for that. Yeah. And, like, tillage it did pretty well, but they said it was kind of you're rough, right? you know, it was rough in the cab and just, like, but, you you know, and some guys had them on choppers and nobody really said whether that was great or not. It was just kind of this tractor that was sort of a really okay thing. It was thing just okay. That, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So it's just interesting that they're... You still see a few out there. I, one guy did say on the on the grain cart, it was a very good grain cart tractor. Sure, which I could see it kind yeah. of spread out your weight and, and yeah, you're right. They're they are still around. I mean, like, you do see them every now and again, right? But yeah, it's not like you see a fleet of them. Like no, no, one, no one's got all two plus twos. No, and even that that cab setup is you know on a ten eighty six fourteen eighty six cab is well known for being one of the like I like that cab because it had padding in the back that you could lay down as a kid <laughs> but it still was so remember how small oh, it was yeah, and like small, I probably yeah. bumped my head in that cab more than any other oh, yeah. bumping and it, heads and ever. if there wasn't like padding the, it was steel right like you were right. on something <laughs> yeah. no steel. in between it's steel it bars was. like even yeah. remember that handlebar that yeah. was steel and like the door on it was like it's tight. It was the ladder and the door to get in and out. Like, but the door if, was so heavy. It was heavy. Yeah, like it was not a like comfort creature. You know, like creature comfort kind of setup. So, and then they took that junky cab and merged it with this anteater snout. So that's kind of just the yeah, very we are really like, really singing this thing's praises pretty high here, guys. <laughs> I think they're cool, but <laughs> I would never want to own one. That's maybe what it is. But yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked in furrow and 2x2 two two or 2x2x2 two by two by two fertilizers and some considerations for those. In our spotlight, we took a look at the Super Bowl grass that'll be in the big game this year. Egg history minute, looking at sod farms and how they grow the sod that some football games are played on. Cool beans this week. Not We haven't seen anything yet as far as cattle prices. They will continue to soar, is the prediction for 2024. All right, that's corny this week. Dicamba availability is 
vacated for now. So right now, Dicamba will not be available for this season. And our Field Good Friday, the International Harvester 3588, sold for one of its highest prices ever at auction just within the last two weeks here. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.